You started during AVX, but I don't think you would say that AVX is your favorite era of X-Men now. <laughs> no, but it's it, but it's definitely it definitely stuck with me in a certain way. Yeah. Like it definitely formed my opinions about some things that allowed me to go back and look at other things in a different way. Like such as Charles Xavier is a jerk. Exactly. Like I stepped into that thinking that Cyclops killing Charles was like the worst thing that could ever potentially happen ever. And like now I'm like, hey. And then we read X Men. What was the the thing that came after that? The consequences. Ab- yeah, Avengers versus X Men. I I ha- I I was like, it can't be consequences because that's Half Life, Full Life consequences. <laughs> God, can you imagine Scott Summers in Half Life, Full oh Life consequences? <laughs> I mean, he does have a brother named he Alex does. Summers. Yes. <laughs> I am Scott Summers, Alex Summers' brother. It would be Alex, though. Yeah, it would be Alex. Because Alex would be John Freeman in that situation. <laughs> I am Alex Summers, Scott Summers' brother. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, um, you know, I'm sorry. You maybe haven't been around on the internet Alex Summers, who was Scott Summers' brother, was one day in an ex-mansion typing on a computer. He got an email from his brother that said <laughs> purifiers and monsters were attacking his place and asked him for help, so he went. Alex Summers got his computer shut down and went on the platform to go to the roof of the building where he left his Quinjet in normal people clothes because he was in a X-Men suit. Alex Summers got on his Quinjet and said, it's time for me to live up to my family name and face full-life consequences, so he had to go. Alex Summers ramped off the building and did a barrel roll and landed. He kept flying down the sky and made sure there were no purifiers around because he didn't have weapon. There you go, everybody. X-Men full life consequences. Oh my god. You think I'm actually dying? <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there it is. <laughs>Welcome to The Young Ones, a podcast about teen superhero teams and why we love them. My name is Charlie, and I use they, them pronouns. And I'm Mikey, and I use he, him pronouns. And this is episode 16. And I almost said an aneurysm before we started recording, because I can't be laughed too hard. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll put that conversation, we'll slot it in, supernatural-like. <laughs> I'll be like, spooky uh, podcast editing-like, because that's what you do, right? It's like being a ghost. Yeah. Well, you would know all about being a ghost. I I would. I mean, that is that is my brand now. Uh-huh. Um, but uh <laughs> Well, sweet 16. Sweet, yeah. They're sweet 16. It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. Yeah, no? that's that's what they say in that famous movie with Molly Ringwald for sure. <laughs> I've never seen that movie.
You've never seen 16 Candles? No. We watched it in my sophomore year chemistry class in high school. Random? Yeah. You've seen 16 Candles, but you've never seen Grease. Don't at me. <laughs> I mean, that's very real. Yeah. Don't. I've seen Titanic also, but that doesn't mean I wanted to. That means they showed it in my eighth grade science class. I don't know why it's always science why class. Why are you watching they... these movies in science class? I don't know. All right. Well, I- I've got a tidbit. So last week I talked about um, Street Sharks at the end of it, right? Uh-huh. We talked about Street Sharks at the end of the. I I exclusively did. I'm not dragging you into this. And then I was I- like, I yeah. tried to add the Street Sharks outro, by the way, and it just sounded terrible because there's not like a version of it that doesn't have the sound effects on top of it. Oh my god, that's funny. I didn't know that. That's hilarious, though. The the Street Sharks theme was not a very popular uh, thing for remixers, apparently. <laughs> But anyway, you know, I know I knew that like a a large majority of the show that ran for three seasons was not great. Mm -hmm. So I went back and I watched the first three episodes, which were the ones I had on VHS when I was a kid. And I watched them over and over and over again. Right. And those ones hold up like the animation budget was there. Like, you know, they were it was like a simple arc of a story over with. Then, like, it just goes off the rails, like, really quickly. Like, how so? Like, like some of the episodes are, well, are like, written and crafted for, like, obviously children. Right. But, like, also, the amount that they reuse clips is astonishing. Oh, jeez. Like, reusing clips, reusing sound effects tracks, reusing... Um, I, there are some parts where um, the wrong voice is coming out of the wrong character. Oh, geez. Do they do the classic anime thing of panning over a still image to save on the animation budget? Yeah, some of that's there, too. Um, There is a there is in the very beginning of the like in in some of the stuff that I had when I was a kid, there is a scene where they are like trying to like go into a lab and like take take something. Mm -hmm. So there's like a there's like a camera on it and like the, you're supposed to see like the police watching the camera because the whole stick with this is that they're basically you know they're the good guys and they're being framed for everything like to make the the city like scared of them right so like the the evil scientists can be like well i need you to catch them so bring them to me so i can rehabilitate them that's like the whole thing at least in the first part and so there's like this scene shot where they're like coming up out of the ground because they're sharks right so they did this cool thing where they dive in the st- in the cement so like splatoon exactly exactly um so they come up and on the scene and then they're kid now you're a squid now you're a shark now you're You're i don't i don't know a shark you're just a shark it's just a shark and they have these this camera on them and they look at the camera and then they like come out of the ground and that is used like at least five other times over the course of the next three episodes. Jeez. Like, that same thing from the one of the first episodes is used, like, almost all the way to, like, the f- beginning of season two. Ah, they're kids. They, they won't care. They won't notice. Exactly. Well, we reuse that clip all we want. And I don't honestly think I did. Did you did you ever see past the first three episodes as a kid? Um, Every once in a while, I'd catch it. It was, like, one of those cartoons that was on UPN. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And for a very long time, I was like, this was like a television show. This was a cartoon that was on and had episodes that I haven't seen. So, like, several, several years ago, 
Netflix had it all on there. Like, just they put it up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to do this. Because I've never seen any of these episodes. This is this will be a trip. They're not good. Like, there's an episode, like, at the beginning of season two that's, like, somehow it seems like they got their animation budget back and it's actually, like, pretty well written and pretty well animated, but then it goes right back to what it was. I don't know. It's so inconsistent. I would love to see, like, the ups and downs, like, back behind the scenes. Like, what was going on with this? I mean, what might have been happening is I know they had toys, but I don't know that any of them ever did super well. So I had all the toys. Yeah, but, like, what might have happened is they might have thought that they would take off more as a toy, and when they didn't, they their budget decreased, like, appreciably. What it was, Mikey, like, we all know that the Street Sharks were, like, 90s radical extreme versions of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? Like, we know that. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they were. Which is funny, because the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were already, like, they were trying to ape that same trend. Yeah, but the the TMNT like the original series was like at the very late eight, the very late eighties. Oh yeah, no, I'm aware. I think the first movie came out in like what, like eighty five? Uh, a little later than that, but it was very much like maybe an eighties, like into the nineties thing. Because I loved them too. Like I had all of them too. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep, I had all them too. Here's in a half shell. Turtle yeah. power. Yep, that one. Yeah. No, I watched that one because that one was on after school. UPN aired their cartoons at weird times. So, like, I caught Sailor Moon and I caught Pokemon when that aired on UPN before WB bought out the rights. You know what's funny? My Street Sharks video, my Street Sharks VHS, which may still exist in my home somewhere, the commercial, like the previews before the, Mm -hmm. the actual show came on, it was Sailor Moon so funny it was like for sailor moon and it scared me when i was a kid i had to fast forward (laughs) through it i mean some of the monsters in sailor moon were really creepy yeah it scared me so i had to fast forward through that to watch my show about about giant sharks (laughs) i super dug uh sailor moon i would get up like it that was on 7 a.m on sunday mornings before the wb block so i would wake up super duper early to watch that I don't recall any specifics about Sailor Moon, but it was definitely like something that I started watching of my own volition, because at that point I had my own TV in my room. I had that for like a very short period of time, like a couple year period of time when that was still like before my parents took it away from me to put it in another room. They were like, you can have a TV. And yeah, no, Sailor Moon was good. But No, you were talking and I was thinking like, that's probably part of what made the magical girl genre so popular in terms of like, not only did it attract kids to it very well, uh, because it wasn't just girls that were into Sailor Moon and stuff like that. But not only that, but you could reuse stuff so much. And it was like a central part of the plot was the magical girl transformation scenes. Like if you did a good one of those, that would never get old. And for Sailor Moon, you have the five Sailor Scouts in the main thing so that's like a good like probably third of your show right there is transformation sequences (laughs) and that's stuff that you don't have to reanimate true and on top of that you have tuxedo mask and like all of his stuff is pretty consistently clip reuse and then you have vignettes that you pan over Uh, especially if you're like if you're going to queen barrel like you pan over so like that's that's it was probably like you know something that was a good balance because you know you have like one new elaborate sequence per show but then 
for the rest of it, you know, you could balance out the animation budget. It wasn't, like, super expensive to produce, probably. Yeah. And, like I said, I don't know what was going on there, but, like, man, oh, man, something, something was happening. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that was my, uh, that's what I spent my time doing this week, aside from um, hiding from more Cheddar News. I wasn't hiding from it. It happened to me anyway. What What about you, Mikey? <laughs> The only cartoon that I can really think of that uh that scared me, by the way, as a kid, was Dexter's Lab. I mean, there was like I can a, see it. There was like an episode about a possessed calculator or like GameCube console. I mean, they didn't call it, or it would have been N sixty four. It was like basically an N sixty four NES like cartridge that was possessed by like a demon or something, and that was like really scary. I had to like. Oh. You know, I was enthralled, but also I was like, I want to know what happens, but also I'm having nightmares about this afterwards. There's an episode of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that is about alien eggs on pizzas, and when you when you put the pizza in the oven, the alien eggs hatch into like pizza xenomorphs. I've watched that episode since. Uh, it's still kind of frightening and weird, but also silly. But like, it's like that scary. Like, come on. Yeah. Like I was, and also like an extremely '90s thing. Like I know Little Caesar has kind of come back, but I feel like Little Caesar now pizza, pizza marketing. Well, no. So just Little Caesar in general. Take and bake is like I feel like such a '90s thing. Like you don't have take and bake anymore Mm-mm. so much. Like, there's some places that still do it, like some grocery stores, but it's not, like, chains that specialize no. in it. No, that, that that shit was scary, man, and that's probably still scary. I remember I talked to, like, I remember Dennis Hopeless was talking about Teenage Mutant Turtles, and then I was like, Dennis, do you remember this episode? And, he, <laughs> and then he was like, yes, and he posted a picture of it. I'm like, please don't, and he just, he, he just favorited it. Uh, Dennis Hopeless is cold-blooded. I love him, but he's like, he's also, he also told me um, the other day that... I, he said something about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and I was like, well, I think I'm, like, I may be pretty lucky that my name is Charlie, but I've also never been to Charlie Chocolate Factory, and he's like, that's probably good. They would have eaten you alive there. And I was like, oh my god, Dennis! Didn't, didn't somebody make a joke about someone being rolled away, like Viola, or whatever her name is, the one that turned into a blueberry? Uh, I can't remember. Anyway. Okay. I can't remember. Anyway. I mean, what even happened this past week? Uh, there was a new Deadpool trailer. There was a new Deadpool trailer. Well, here's what I know. What I know is that some rumors have been floating around that, like, some of the mutants that could technically be in X-Force maybe die in the movie. Maybe that's why they're not in the movie for very long. Yeah, bad. Um, yeah, bad. But also, like, uh, Zach told me that. Like he said, I hope, like, I hope you're preparing yourself for the fact that you may see this on screen. And I was said, and I said something that is now about to get probably, it's in the process of going viral uh, because he, he liked it and retweeted it again. Oh, jeez. I, sa- I, sa- I said, what did I say? I have to find it because it's actually really funny. Oh, Zach said, I hope. Genetic Ghost is, re- is preparing for the very real possibility that they will have to watch Shadowstar die in a major motion picture this year. <laughs> and I said, I said, if he's dead, no one can write him poorly. <laughs> oh my god, Charlie. God, that sure is a thing. <laughs> and then somebody retweeted it and said, I want this on my, ga- on my gravestone. <laughs> 
It's true, Mikey. Comics are good sometimes. It's true, though. Like, here's the thing. Like, I would just... I don't want to see that. I don't. Especially if it's played for a joke, which... Mm, I have my worries about now. Yeah. Um, but... If that's the case, then just take... If we take the chess piece off the board, I can't lose it, right? I mean, uh, that's not how that works, because when you take the chess piece off the board, you have lost it. That's how that works. I can't lose it. Like, I can lose the game, clearly. I'm not playing the game, though. I'm just collecting the pieces that I like and putting them in a box. For me. For Charlie time. Maybe, maybe a Monopoly metaphor would have been more useful. <laughs> yes. Okay, so if I've got the whole, if I got a whole Monopoly board, then I'm buying all the hotels. I can do uh-huh. whatever I want with them. Yes. I can charge as much as I want to charge. You can't stay here if I don't want you to. So, so, so on and so forth. Although I don't know if you can actually stop people from, like, stopping on your, no, that's not how that game works. So so you want to know something really funny that makes this metaphor even funnier? Um, My dog actually chewed up one of the pieces to our star wars monopoly okay uh so we could not use that piece in the board anymore it literally would not fit into the slot that it was supposed to go into because in that place you actually in that version you take the cards out of the board like because you there's little slots you slot them into and it had dog teeth marks all over so we were just like we can't use this piece anymore we can't use this now so okay so if i have all the hotels then then I have them, and no one else can have them. This metaphor still doesn't really work, Mikey. What I'm trying to say is If that- someone wants to play Monopoly and you say, no, let's play another game, then they can never buy out the hotels out from under you. Yes. That's, that's how you want to go. There you go. Exactly. So I always have Boardwalk if we're not actually playing Monopoly. Yeah, it's a it's a um, quantum entanglement type deal. Yeah, like Schrodinger's cat is both inside and not inside the, inside box, the box if you don't it, open it. Exactly. So if Shatterstar is eliminated somehow, the, f- the fandom paradox—that's what we're going to call this. Yeah, if if Shatterstar is eliminated somehow, then nobody can make him. A gross by stereotype, and no one can make him just a joke, and no one can do that. If Shatterstar and Richter aren't portrayed in the same book together, then nobody can write their relationship poorly. Perfect. That's the fandom paradox. (laughs) If my favorite characters are not in a book, then nothing bad can ever happen Happen to them. them. They're in stasis forever. See, if they would have just stayed lost in space time, I would still be complaining about it. But I also wouldn't have to, like, deal with every day learning something <laughs> terrible. Like, not that that's happened, because it hasn't. I mean, hasn't. that's the... Right. But you've you've opened the box. A Pandora's Charlie. box. Yeah, I know. I've opened the, the box. And the Schrodinger's yeah, I've, box. I've, op- I've, opened, I've opened the box and seen, like, a dead cat inside. <laughs> yeah, basically. So, like... Uh... <laughs> like, but at least there was a cat in there at some point. Like, maybe that's what I should say. But I'd yeah. rather... I'd rather prefer to keep the box closed. Yes. Yeah. So that's what I'm like. What I'm. What I would like to avoid is going into a movie with an expectation that's high and then having it ruined. So if I right. if I go into a movie 
or don't go into a movie if I just lit like litmus test it out, which I'm probably gonna have to do through other individuals. Be like, hey, give me the lowdown on this. Yeah, and I'll be like, hey, don't, and I'll be like, great, I don't need to know anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like as much as I would like seeing um, Cable and Domino, if it's not, if something is going to happen that will irrever e or I can't even say my words correctly. If something happens, it's going to ruin my experience. Then I just don't want to put myself in that in well, that situation. I mean, literally, though, I'm going to ask you: Can anything be worse than how Pietro was dealt with in Age of Ultron? Yeah, where dying and it being a joke. Yeah, but you know, I would argue that Pietro's because, well, death, Shatterstar, I guess, like that's what that's what it is. Yeah. No, that that would suck. Like, but... at least Pietro died and had a hero moment. Like, yeah. as much as I hate it and I don't like it, like, at least he had a heroic moment. Yeah. And, like, his death affected the other people around him because he was part of the story. Not like, oh, these are, like, silly X-Force characters. See, oh, wouldn't it be cool see, if we the, killed them all? I don't know how much of the creative team changed, but given that, like, none of the deaths... And for as much as like death happens in Deadpool, no speaking characters really get killed without it meaning something. And like even Deadpool's relationship, like there's things that are goofy about it, but it's always like something that's very serious to Deadpool. Like that is one thing that's good. And what made me so glad to have watched that film is that's the kind of Deadpool that I like. Like, sure, he makes jokes and makes light of things, but the things that matter really matter. And I honestly can't see them... Like, they'll play Cable's whole shtick for laughs, right? Mm-hmm. But if Cable dies, that won't be for laughs. Yeah. Or something like that. But, you know? like, one-off... But, Mikey, one-off characters that nobody knows, yes. Yeah, Here, but... Here's my quandary. That's my quandary, right? Deadpool's got, like, literally nothing to do with X-Force. Fuck anyone who thinks that he does. Like, I mean, n- there's not literally... original, not original X Force. There is a confirmed like X Force movie though. So yes. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, it's I just. But okay. So here's the thing: you have to go into it knowing that it's going to be a superhero movie, knowing that it's going to be a Deadpool movie, and knowing that even if something happens in it that you don't like like it's a movie like you can put that away you still have all the comic books like it doesn't oh, yeah i mean yes you know like it's its own thing it's made for an audience it has a tone and it's gonna stick to that no matter what and that the shatter star you know who knows what his deal is maybe maybe you know if he does we don't know if he does or does not die but maybe they wouldn't have made him queer you know like maybe maybe we would have never seen that one way or the other yes i know I have zero expectations. Zero. That's the best way to go into superhero movies, honestly, I think. Like, the problem is when you go into a movie with expectations and it lets you down. Yeah. The one caveat I would say that for is Black Panther. Because, like, sure, there was a chance that it would have let people down. But given the amount of care and... I'm going to say artistry. I'm just going to say it, artistry that went into that film. Like in the terms of so many artists, like at the top of their craft, devoted themselves to that movie and making that movie good. Like it could have been a mediocre superhero movie. And for some folks, they might say it is a mediocre superhero movie. But 
you can't like deny the fact that people gave it their all. And even if you don't like the plot or the characters as presented in the film, which I do have some criticisms, like I know where they come from. Like, I'm just going to say it like Martin Freeman should have been in that movie 3000 percent less. But I know why he was in that movie. But still, even even with that, like that was people giving their all for an end product. So like that, you know, I know why expectations were so high and why it delivered for a lot of people. All I ever want is for somebody to respect the thing that I like. Like, that's really all. Like, I want to know that, like, whatever medium it is, that somebody who's, like, has it in their care is going to take care of it the same way that I do. Or the same, that I, the same way that I do and I would. That's all I ever want out of anything. Yeah. I mean, the problem is, like, I know when we had Christina on the show, like, she talked about this a lot. The problem is, in comics, like, that's never a given. Like, even for the writers themselves, they create a character and they finish with that volume or that arc or that book and that character gets put away in a box and the next person that takes out that box might not give them that same care. So that's, like, something that both for creators and fans alike, like, that's just comics and you just... We get invested in these characters and that's why people, you know, stake their claims on social media and stuff like that. And that's, you know, honestly, part of the whole marketing gimmick of comics is to get you to keep coming back and to see the different creators takes on these characters. But it's always going to be there's always going to be that chance that you open the box and there's a dead cat. I'm sorry we keep using dead cat as a metaphor, but yeah, the, no, I mean, cats are great. Or and that that box is going to be empty, you know, that there was never yeah, a cat in the first place. Cats are great. No, no, no dead cats anywhere. But also like, yeah, I mean, that is it. And putting your heart in in superhero in 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 characters that like don't belong to you at the end of the day is bad. Like it's it's bad to it's bad for you. It's bad for me. Like when it, those things get connected to you in very emotionally intimate ways. Yeah. Or when you form your identity around them or part of your identity, which is like always been a problem with fandom. Yeah. Like fandom of any any variety. Yeah, and continues to be. I mean, that's where we get the the ideological divide that's kind of going on right now in comics, right? Yes. Of like, you know, people that have been reading since maybe you know, the Silver or Bronze Age and people that have been picking up comics today and you know the expectations for what those stories should look like based on what your favorite arcs are and the expectations of like what is a good comic book story and what isn't a good comic book story are very different depending on you know what era of comics is your favorite because i will you know i i firmly believe that there's people that pick up comics today even and go back and read the entire back catalog for a character oh yeah yeah and it it's always you know interesting to see nobody can ever be a num a number one fan you know what i mean yeah you know as much as i have my thoughts like i'm i still have i'm so grounded in a in a place of reality <laughs> yeah i haven't lost my grip on it like, like you you make jokes on twitter but you know it's not yes but they're always they're always one jokes and always two um you know, as you and I have spoken about before, 
I, I've lived in I've lived in and around fandom for a really large part of my life, and the language that we use to talk about things there is different than how we talk about things outside of that. Like how I talk to half of my Twitter feed is, and how I talk to half of uh, the other half. You know, right, right. It's very different. It's like you have a different code and like pattern of behavior in jokes. Yes, things are acceptable in certain in certain places aren't acceptable others. Yeah. Like the other thing is I think there's people that can probably pick up comics today and, you know, they're like, yeah, this new modern X-Men stuff is great, but what I really love is the original run. And, you know, like that's that's definitely valid, but that person's going to have a different lens through which to view the characters than someone who picks up say X-Men Red and X-Men Blue. And thinks that that's absolutely the best X-Men that's ever been written. Versus someone that, you know, read during Executioner's Song. Or someone that picked up during Schism and, like, that's their favorite stuff. Or, you know, I guess, like, not picked up, but whatever they resonate with the most. Yeah, and it's different for everybody. And it's different for, like, specifically for X-Men fans. Yeah. But, either way, you slice it. You see my nice pizza reference? Uh-huh. We are. Sure. <laughs> I'm pulling at str- grasping at straws, also pulling at them because grasping is just a synonym for pulling. Okay. Uh we are talking about Runaway Summer 13 and 14 today on our lovely podcast that has maybe gotten sidetracked slightly. <laughs> good sidetracking. Good sidetracking. It's good. Only. I mean, we're talking about like the things we did when we were kids and like you know, basically how that all filters down to us now. Yeah. Well, like, but... um, in terms of, like, video games, my parents let me watch them play Doom when I was, like, five. And I don't know how they let me do that, considering all the ways they were about everything else. But that definitely a thousand percent influenced the person I am today. Um. Also, I never got to play them when I was a kid, but I watched... Uh, today the day that we're recording uh this streamer that i moderate for on twitch named adam coble play sam and max 2 hit uh sam and max hit the road i think is like the full title uh which is just like a love letter to like 60s and 70s like roadside attractions is the whole game basically like you go to a giant ball of twine and you know the mystery spot and all that um along with tons of like 90s era references and lucas arts humor Primo, primo stuff right there. Well, I there love, you go. Lucas I Arts. love LucasArts games. 1-800-STAR-WARS. That was the tip <laughs> line that you called if you got lost in a puzzle, and it was like, I think like 15 cents a minute or something like that. Bad. Well, it was like the first, like, ever so much was free, and then it was, you know, pay per minute after that. That was pretty common, actually. The Nintendo, Nintendo had a similar tip line. Oh yeah, Nintendo Power. Yeah, one eight hundred Nintendo, like or Nintendo, like Nintendo yeah. Power, and all that, all that jazz. But the nineties. We're talking about <laughs> we're talking the nineties. We're gonna fast forward into the two thousands. Yes, the early aughts, if you will. But here we are again. We finished talking about Cloak and Dagger, so they have hightailed it back to New York City, where they were going to do that until they were apprehended and mind wiped well they still did it but they just don't remember anything that happened yeah we they, we still had an adventure with them they just don't really remember what happened this is issue number 14 
Would you like to let us know who's making this beautiful comic for us today? Or made it for us? Absolutely. So our writer uh, for both of these issues today is Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, we once again have pencils by Adrian Alfona and inks by Craig Young. And the colors are once again by Christina Strain. Our cover art today is yet again by Joe Chen. And this one's Chase. Yeah, he looks like he's in a bit of a pickle. He does. I can't tell if he's like if he's charging the blast up or if it's hap- like something's happening to his fistagon and it's like discharge. You know what I mean? Like if he's trying to catch something. Yeah, I can't tell. He looks, he looks like he's falling for sure, though. Yeah, and there's like some like rubble around him, so maybe there was an explosion. Like that's also what I'm gathering off of this. Yeah, something was not good. No, and he looks super worried as he's falling backwards off this precipice. Joe Chen draws his face really cute, though. Yeah, no, it's good. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you know the chase is cute in this comic book, but you know, just saying. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, this uh, arc or chapter one of this this new arc we are headed into is called "The Good Die Young," which you know Billy Joel references always are good except for it's kind of sliced up but because adrian alfona is back on pencils we get to see how much better the art is again well like like we talked about last week yeah it's it's, you know we're we're shifting we're pivoting back to the genre that we were in before true like we took a brief trip into like i don't know what that was i mean it was like noir anime but noir anime it was a noir anime that's what it was we decided that last week yeah, like a, I mean, Cowboy Bebop it was Maybe? pretty popular around the time. That's probably, there's some other like noir anime, but I think that's like, that's like space noir. Yeah. I, you know, you're probably, you're in that, you're in that same vein. Yeah. Like, yeah, a nice connection there. Uh, But we start off with a pan back to the hostel and someone from inside is saying lame. And as we kind of go, Inside, uh, we see that Chase and everyone else is gathered around a table eating some dried cereal. <laughs> Crunchios. Crunchios. And they're all huddled around a, what I can only assume is a battery-operated lantern, lantern for light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And carolina has got her coffee mug, too. So... You know they get they're getting coffee from somewhere. Yeah, um, I don't Al- know where they're getting this coffee. I don't know. From. E- I don't know either. But Alex is not here right now. But Chase is not happy because it's been about one week since they had their encounter with Cloak and Dagger and have not heard anything at all back um, in regards to their rescue or what they oh. assumed was their imminent rescue. Oh man, Chase has a portable CD player in his hand. He does. He better be keeping that thing like nice and still or else he's getting skips for days. No, he's got one of those fancy skip-free units. They're, oh, he's they're... got a skip list. Okay, yeah, I got it. The the um the no skip. The the Sony ones were like they would have that like emblazoned and then they started making them in like jelly colors for a little mm-hmm. while. Mm-hmm. Like the bright blue and the bright pink and uh, I remember somebody at school had like a transparent purple skipless portable CD player, and that oh, was that like person the was shit. Living. That person was yeah. living. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> this is like the kind of stuff that uh, you know, I don't want to say like 
only whatever but this is like that was the exciting thing was like you could like do you think okay so like just serious question do you think someone like a a kid would believe you now in uh, like a high school kid would believe you if you said that when you were in high school you used to carry around a cd player in your hand with headphones and listen to it like that. Like, do you actually think that they would believe that that was something that existed? Maybe because of the internet, yes. But, like, I mean, also... I had to explain VHS tapes to a group of middle schoolers that I taught once. Bad! So, you know, I was like, it's like a DVD. But not. you had to rewind it. But it's and they're like, but inside. why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used so... to listen to my music. I used to listen to music on CDs. I mean, I, I don't think CDs have gone by the wayside quite yet no not completely no um we've not we've not gone there but like the fact that like i used to have to put a disc in a portable cd player just seems ill-conceived to me even now like yeah and that people would put them in like the baskets in the front of their bike and if they didn't have skipless they'd have to be real careful when going over bumps because what happens is the cd spins on you know this this turntable thing and the laser reads it but when the laser skips, it can both mess up the CD and it'll come out as this horrible, like, distorted digital noise because it can't read the sectors that are on the CD when it skips. So now you know. Because the laser either, like, shifts or, um, you know, the dis- the distance between the laser and the CD is incorrect. And it can also, like, fuck with the ball bearings in the CD player and make yeah it's just not make it great it, it like really just wasn't a great way to do these things well, but yeah. at this point we were still what um this is 2003 we were still four years out from the first ipod yeah i think like uh i rivers and like zens and stuff like that might have just been coming out like this is the time that we were seeing like the first like hard drive mp3 players uh which were not any more or less durable than skip cd like cd players that were not skip free because you still couldn't like drop they were like a huge because oh god if you dropped if you dropped your sony cd like portable cd player Dude. Well, right. But I'm saying that that the old, the first like MP3 players were like that too. And the reason they were so big is because they had an actual magnetic hard drive in them. So also, like, if that got demagnetized or something, like, you, (laughs) it just wouldn't work. Like, it was just gone. It just wouldn't work anymore. Anyway. Anyway. Chase has got that. Everybody's kind of huddled around and talking about, you know, what's going on. Uh, they really thought they were going to get rescued. You know, Carolina says, well, maybe Captain America and those guys um, are dealing with some sort of space crisis or whatever. I yeah, mean, Molly's valid- clothes are starting to smell. Valid point if we didn't know what was happening. Because I have to assume if Cloak and Dagger had actually managed to let Cap know what was going on, they would have been out here in a second. Yeah. Yeah. So, not really what's, you know, unfortunately, we know the real thing. And Chase is kind of put off by it because he thinks that they were all lied to, which he had a, he was being cynical about in the first place. Yeah. But Chase is someone that I think is naturally like he's tinfoil hats all the way. Oh, yeah. We know that. Like, definitely. Um, 
but from the staircase, we see Alex come down and he says, I did it. And Chase, you know, asks, you know, you know what? And says something that's really also not great. Um, and Alex says, I managed to decode the, ad- the abstract or decipher it at least. I think he says he deciphered it all. Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, so Nico calls it the, the pride's evil cookbook. And Alex goes on to say that it's more than that. It's the history of the whole Twisted organization. I haven't totally mastered the Dakota ring we stole from Carolina's mom, but I've been able to roughly translate the first few chapters or so. So, yeah, so it isn't the whole thing. It isn't the whole thing. And so they kind of sit down to have this story, story time, time, for lack of a better word. Yeah, because of course it starts with nothing other than in the beginning. And then we actually flash back in the comic to 20 years before. Yeah, this is like the one uh, timestamp in volume one that's actually important uh, because we see a much younger, not uh, Mr. Wilder, uh, but not quite yet Mrs. Wilder in a car. And Mr. Wilder is driving this like red convertible I don't know if what that is, if that's a BMW or what. It's hard to tell. Um, and they've got the leather seats and he's got a revolver in his hand and he shouts, eat legs. <laughs> eat eat legs. lead. Eat leg. Eh? <laughs> All right. Boop. Another outtake. Um, eat lead, pigs, as he fires this revolver back at uh, the police that are chasing them. And um, his compatriot in his passenger seat has a black bank bag that's full of cash and so she unzips it to check what's in it and the bills just start flying as they're driving down the freeway yep and then we cut to and i've got a question here for you oh wait apparently they they are mr and mrs wilder because they have eloped oh okay well that makes sense and this next panel i've got a question for you Mm-hmm. are Gert's parents actually from a different time period? That I'm not actually sure about. Like, I don't I don't remember. Because I'm reading this, and basically, you know, Dale and Stacey Yorks appear to be in some sort of, like, antiquated clothing in their time machine. And she tells him that they've been stuck in, they're stuck in the 1980s because the time machine is no longer working. And that it they, is the worst decade be. of the millennium. They must be, which is a little, like, that puts a little bit of a different twist on it. Yeah. I'd actually, I'd actually forgotten that. And that didn't, like, occur to me when I first read it. So maybe they're from, like, actually, like, the far future. Or the past. Yeah, but uh, also of note is apparently Mr. Wilder's mother did not approve of them eloping because, uh, or um, Mrs. Wilder's mother did not approve of them eloping because Mr. Wilder asks uh, if you, you know, if, you know, she doesn't believe what was said about him not being marriage material. And mrs wilder promises that you know she's glad that they eloped and someday they're gonna own this town and they get summoned away in a flash of light yes um which is important which is important which i almost skipped over but you did skip over i did Um, but a voice says mysteriously joffrey and Catherine wilder you have been summoned 
uh, as they vanish. Yes. And in this next scene, as I mentioned previously, uh, Stacy and Dale Yorks have been stranded in the 1980s in their weird clothing and they're attempting their weird steampunk garbage exactly and uh they're attempting to get the time machine to work again when they have also been summoned in a flash 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 of light yeah and they they stole some artifacts and they may have also created a time paradox by stealing them and not putting them back uh bad Uh, that's why time travel is bad yeah if we learned anything Yep. We've learned that. Um, except for time paradoxes that make good, sweet alien boys. Those ones are okay. Um, are they, though? I don't know. Yes! Yes, they are! That's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> and then we cut to rocks being thrown as someone in this horrible mob screams, Muty scum. That's recognizable. Yeah. <laughs> and... Okay, maybe this is just because I watched The Warriors this past week. Is it reminding you of The Warriors? A little bit, but it's like they've all joined up to gang against, to gang up against um, Mr. and Mrs. Dr. Mr. Whatever Hayes. I don't think they're doctors at this point. This is just Mr. and Mrs. Hayes, uh, who are mutants and are being harassed about it. Yeah. And they say that they've been good neighbors uh, and, you know... They're about to show these man apes what evolution looks like before being summoned away you know, in a flash of light. I don't know if the term flat scan is specifically like Age of Apocalypse, but like I appreciate when mutants that think more highly of mutants than humans call humans flat scans and not like weird pseudo evolutionary. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm not digging that. Like, yeah, that's that's something of something something patterns of oppression something something because yeah. I mean that that also comes like yeah like let's talk about that for a second that also comes from like writers I'm not saying Brian K Vaughn is a bad writer by any metric because this happens a lot like writers writing minorities as like replicating the systems of oppression that were used against other minorities, which has happened. I mean, look at like there was a recent Twitter thread about Irish Americans, uh, you know, basically m- ensuring that, uh, you know, former and freed slaves were of a lower social class than them, which is absolutely like a hundred percent shitty. But like, this is this is so much because like the whole like who which humans are like closer to apes and you know that kind of thing being used as you know that was like a whole eugenics and like fake science way to justify racism and jim crow laws and it's really really gross um you know we know the hazes don't become good people so that's probably but like yeah it's still like, yeah, they're not good people, but there's probably other words that could have been used there that don't have that connotation to them. Yeah, so. like I said, I would, um, like I said, I don't know if the term flat scan necessarily is just like a, like I said, Age of Ultron, not Age of Ultron, wow! Age of Apocalypse. <laughs> Let's not talk about Age of Ultron. Age of Apocalypse-like thing, but I much would prefer it if we 
spoke like that. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's definitely <laughs> other terms that you can use, like normie or, you know, like there's other there's other ways. Yeah, you can like, you can literally think of any other term. <laughs> like, wait, like, you know, Quentin does Quentin feels a certain way about that at some point in his life. And he never says anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Which, so, which is saying something, something for someone as radicalized as him. Well, and there's something else to be said about, like, th- there was a thread going around a while back likening Quentin Choir to Richard Oof. Spencer, which made me so mad because that is literally the worst take. That's like the same take as, like, <laughs> you know... You uh you told on them. You told them. I did. I told on them to uh Jay of Jay and Miles explain the X-Men and Jay got so mad it was like absolutely not. Cuz it was just like some like leftist Twitter person that like wanted to show all their friends like how cool and like knowledgeable they were and like just dunk on the X-Men and like specifically like morrison's run on the x-men which like i have some valid complaints i feel about or like criticisms of but one of them is not one of them is literally not this kid who's an actual punk is a nazi because if you know anything about the punk movement like that those two things are a thousand percent in opposition yes especially someone who belongs to minority group yeah that that also but I mean, that's not to say that like minorities can't do shitty things. Again, I mean, but... Clinton straight up kills a person. Yeah, but <laughs> one of his the things that he does wrong is not being a Nazi. Yes, like, Mohawks. Exactly. This is also like not realizing that Mohawks are like a thing that punks did, and not a very meaningful haircut or like. Because they would be used, like, you know, if you had a mohawk, like, you were a punk, and that meant, like, a lot of things. Yeah. Not all of them good, but, you know. Like, I hate people taking things out of context just to, like, make some sort of derivative point about it that's not even yeah. true. Like, like, dunk on it, yeah. Yeah, don't do that. Like, don't do not do that. If you, if you think that you know what a thing means from, like, five seconds of it, like, if more people did the due diligence to, like, spend five seconds looking up something on google before dunking on it like this world would be so much of a better place oh yes absolutely a hundred percent like even with fake news being what it is like if you just took five seconds to google something like you your life would be much better at least you'd find some more information yeah Yeah, exactly it's not it's not quentin choir's fault that uh nazis decided to adopt the undercut yeah like no, like, or or the or the mohawk. Let's just say that. Yeah. But anyway, <sighs> anyway, so, uh, talking about mutants aside, Jean uh, and Alice Hayes have also been summoned. Yeah, they're <laughs> away just from this mob, hanging out in a lab. Uh, with okay, first thing you learn in lab etiquette is not to bring food and drink into the lab. And what do they have? A takeout cup and a bowl of french fries yeah, right next Victor and to Jan like stein you're bad scientists right next to their like fucking distillation thing that's also like they've cobbled together with like garbage i don't know it's a bad setup but we yeah, see them for good. one second before they get summoned away which also then cuts to uh 
Robert and Tina Minoru at their wedding. And they, they actually also, look very happy. They do, which is kind of sad. Um, and then they get summoned. And then the last people we see are Frank and Leslie Dean, who have also been summoned. Who it away from a a looks like a cold read of General Hospital, um, which is an actual a soap uh, opera. Yeah, soap still, opera. That as was far airing. as I know, it's still on. So yeah, yeah. A lot of them are done or like have been taken off air but i think that yeah. one's still running no that one's still going yes and they are so, summoned to some sort of otherworldly looks like a stargate but isn't it looks like a stargate <laughs> that's what <Yeah>. I- <laughs> um, it looks exactly it, like a stargate yeah it's not even it's even got like the like water rippling effect on it and yeah it looks like a fucking stargate to which uh stargate and leslie dean look at it and say this wasn't in the script yeah, Stargate Los Angeles never was a real thing, so, you know. Let's be real. Any of those derivative shows that have been set in L.A. haven't been good. <laughs> yes, I'm looking at you, NCIS Los Angeles. That's got LL Cool J in it. LL Cool J is the best and only good part of that show. Fight okay. me. I will. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, okay, and like Edna Mode, but she's not in that show nearly enough. The surfer bro hacker frustrates the hell out of me, personally. <laughs> but anyway. I mean, I had assumed it probably would. Um, but anyway. He hacked a drone <laughs> via Bluetooth, which isn't even something you can do with like an Xbox controller. And I'm willing to put up with a lot of stuff for suspension of disbelief, but that is absolutely not one of them. Bluetooth has a radius of maximum 60 feet, and you cannot hack something by mashing the Konami code on your Xbox controller. Christ. Anyway, where were we? All right. Um... We're in this, uh, we're in front of the Stargate. I'm sorry, did you not realize I had very strong feelings about Very strong feelings about NCIS Los Angeles. No, I didn't. Um, but we're in, we're in front of a Stargate and, uh, everybody's together. So all the parents are, who we know as parents, are together for the first time and it doesn't go well. No, uh, because, you know, the Minorus are... You know, like, hey, I know you from General Hospital. And then Mr. Wilder pulls a gun on Frank and Leslie Dean. And so Leslie Dean whips rainbow hair out and splats him to the wall with rainbow force. To which Mr. and Mrs. York say they must be mutants. And yeah, this era is lousy with them. Can we start dunking on mutants for a second? Also, yeah, we get their time travelers. He looks like Sebastian Shaw. He does. You're right. He looks just straight up like Sebastian Shaw. And Mrs. Uh, York's looks like a reject from uh, Star Wars Episode One for a Padme backup. Yeah, you're right. Also right. And uh, <laughs> they reiterate that they're, uh, Leslie Dean reiterates that she's not a freak. And then we have this other conversation about Homo Superior, of course. Yeah. <sighs> And, you know, while they're having this this fight, uh, Mrs. Minoru is about to send someone to the Shadow Realm with this yep. ball of cosmic force. Apparently, they only dabble in the dark arts, but they have more than enough power to defeat you um, and, because they think that the people here captured them from kidnapped them from their own wedding. Uh, and so they 
unleash a tide of bats? Yep, that's what I would do. Um, but as soon as they do that, there are some voices from off panel that say, Creatures be gone. The rest of you be silent. We are the ones who called you to our vivarium beneath the seas. We are the Gaborum. And these things are hideous. Yeah, they, they look like uh, Guillermo del Toro rejects also. Yeah. <laughs> and in a good good beat of comedic timing, we cut back to Chase. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, wait, 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 back up. The who's it? <laughs> and Gert says, I think that I think that's Hebrew for mighty men, um, heroes. And that's what uh, and then Nico starts to explain a little bit or attempts to at least. Yeah, so she has read that there are mythical evil giants that predate the evil testament. And the evil testament, Mikey? The Old Testament. I mean, one could say, depending, but... I'm not making a value judgment on books of the Bible uh, <laughs> no. today. That is one thing I'm not judging. On this Palm Sunday, how dare you? <laughs> God. <laughs> um, and apparently they had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. and she knows this they all look at her like what the hell and she's like i read books about monsters so sue me and old lace's face oh, is really i was actually here. making the joke so sue me but that is actually what she says on panel yeah um, it is it is uh old old lace has a very good face it's true um old lace is always judging everyone yeah and it's really always shiny like the colors in her eyes are like super good and shiny it's great and, like, Christina gives her a bit of a dappled skin tone. Yeah, we commented on that in an earlier issue, and it's, it's really good. It's real good. Especially um, with the, like, light of the lantern being the one light. Like, all the characters' faces are, like, four lit only and, like, fade into shadow really quickly, which is mm-hmm. really good. Um, So, Gert says, so you're saying our parents are somehow connected to a bunch of alien, of ancient, supersized fantasy creatures with deformed extremities? And then Alex says, well, that would explain the six little piggies on the cover of the abstract, which, so, I mean, it does say that. It does have yeah. that on there. Gert pin- uh, pulls her glasses up and pinches her nose, and she says, you know, the more I found out about our rents, the more I wish I was adopted. This is worse than the time I accidentally walked in on them. And Chase, as always, is having a hard time believing that this any of this is real. He also calls it the never-ending story, story. which is a good goof. Yeah, and basically, he says, I can almost accept vampires and maybe even Martians like Carolina. And she says, okay, hey, let's... I'm not from. <laughs> yeah, let's not. Um, but apparently giants are impossible to chase. And uh, yeah. Alex says, that's funny because it's exactly what your dad said. And they go back into the story. Uh, yeah. So it's funny because Mr. Wilder says, this isn't night. This is 1984, ain't it? I'd say Big Brother has finally shown his ugly mug. <laughs> Which he does look a little bit like the, the Big Brother figure in the famous Apple commercial, so I'll give him oh, that. A little bit, yeah. Uh, and so the Gaborm says, We are not some figment from the imagination of one of your witless writers. The Gaborm were on this planet when it was still a peaceable utopia, a state to which we intend to return it. And... Uh, you know, Mr. Uh, Mr. York's just looks really weird. 
Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He looks like Sebastian Shaw cosplayer. Absolutely. Like, he right really does. Like, it's freaking me what out a little the bit. Deuce do you behemoth? Like, just get yeah. out of here. Yeah. Yeah. No. He objects and uh, the Gaborum continue. Yeah. They also have glowy makeup, I'm realizing. Um, yeah, a little bit. And he holds up his, like, six fingered hand. And says, we no longer possess the life force necessary to change the world on our own. The Gaborm require a pride, and the old ways dictate that we call forth six young pair bonds. The thieves, the travelers, the magicians, the outcasts, the wise men, and the colonists. And that's that's funny because I read that and then I read it again. And then when I heard you say it, I just thought all of a sudden of um, uh, I saw seven birds like the uh, from the Adventure Zone. Like, oh, like, yeah, I just thought about that. And I was like, oh, that has a little bit more gravitas. Um, but that's funny. And of course, this is. um. Oh my god, what is her name? Mrs. Stein, I'm just gonna say Mrs. Stein. Yeah, uh, Mrs. Don't Stein worry about it. says colonists from where? And Leslie says, none of your business, wise man. Yeah, so so let's like take a quick break. So are we to be led to believe that not all of the characters or not all of the parents were evil initially? Because it so. seems like like at least at least the hazes had capacity for evil because, like, not everyone reacts to, uh, you know, like ostracization and like being othered and being oppressed with, like, you know, like <laughs> anger and like a sense of like revenge. Yeah. Like, but it's 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 a very like specific reaction that they have. Like, not we want to fight back, but, like, we want to hurt the people that hurt us. And yeah. whether or not that will help them or, you know, mutants in general, like, at all. And Which it won't, as we know. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think, you know, I think, like, ha doing something violent, like, there's different ways that you can, like, contextualize that violence or, like, that, that you know, bite back kind of reaction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... And theirs is definitely, like, cruel, the cruel spectrum of it. But, like, up until that point, they hadn't really done anything bad. And I would say, like, like so maybe they have the capacity for evil, but haven't quite acted on it yet. And obviously, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Minoru have already been dabbling in the in the black, the, in the dark arts, which is never a good sign. No, and the deans seem like they, obviously, as we will find out. Uh, like about their deal, you know. Yeah, oddly enough, the Steins seem to be the least, like, objectively of like how we traditionally do morality evil. But also, we know that like Mister Stein eventually like beats on Chase and stuff. So, yeah, you know. So I mean, this we've got kind of a spectrum a here too, which yeah, I think this is takes interesting. a turn at some point, and it is it is a little bit more interesting. But we know that they've been brought forth here because apparently they need whatever tradition requires it. Yeah, and 
So the Gaborim kind of need to wipe the slate clean, which always goes well for everyone involved. Everybody right? involved. Yep, that's exactly right. It's totally fine. Totally fine. And they say as much because they have to destroy all of humanity. And when we see a shark swim by. <laughs> yeah. And Mr. Dean says, but what's in it for us other than the usual entertainment value of wasting earthlings, of course? Yeah, they were already there. Yep, they've already gone there. I mean, they want to colonize the planet, so... We're not leaving... We're not cutting them any slack because they don't deserve it, so... No. No. Like, you don't even know the half of it, Charlie. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, Uh, But they are willing to make everybody here an offer. Yeah. That they'll get... Unlimited cosmic power <laughs> until uh, itty bitty living space. Um, <laughs> basically, I mean itty bitty living space in the terms of your, you know, you have Earth to yourself. Yeah. Uh, the Gaborm <laughs> call it a once pristine orb. Okay. And, and that they can do whatever a- they want with it afterward. Yeah, they have twenty five years to basically ensure that it'll, the Gaborm can carry out their plan. Um, and when that time is up, six of you will be permitted to join us in our new Eden, while you will be granted eternal life. The other six shall perish with the rest of your miserable race. And he holds up, like, creates, like, a magic hologram of Earth in one hand, and then the other hand is, like, Earth on fire? <laughs> the All Earth right. but I on mean, fire. The Earth but on fire, but that's, you know, that's the long and short of it, basically. Um... And so it's it's basically they're being put into a reality show, but like without the cameras or confessional booths. Bad. Um, we all know how that goes. And yeah. they say as much, you know, that's not exactly saying like, but obviously there's an incentive um, because whoever the six are going to be are the ones that serve the Gaborum the most faithfully. Yeah. So, you know, Mr. Wilder says 25 years of of guaranteed power plus a 50-50 shot at immortality, I don't think we can afford to say no. And Mrs. Wilder objects because she's like, but what about my mom? And Mr. Wilder says, well, she'll be long gone before, by the time any of this goes down anyway. So, which, you know, is true. And then Mr. Menorah makes a crack about, and so will the rest of the planet if Reagan keeps playing at his games. Which, true. I mean, we're living in, we're living in that right now. Yeah. So, I mean, true. Yeah, so um, the Gaborim say, uh, you know, if they agree to their terms that the 12 of you will gather once a year for the rite of blood. And we cut back to the kids. Yeah. Carolina <laughs> would like a footnote, please. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, Alex explains that the rite of blood was the annual, annual ceremony that apparently abo- involves an adolescent female being sacrificed to the Gaborum. And <laughs> Gert says, it sounds like that satanic hoot nanny we saw at your house right before we hit the road. Which, one and the same. Yeah, so it's funny because I'm not gonna, you know, go into it explicitly, but the that made me, like, I had forgotten about that bit, and it brought something in the runaways tv show like gave me an idea for what's going on there um well i mean that that's interesting that we're reading this along you know basically alongside that yeah um and also interesting that i'm reading this alongside the new runaways series yeah 
Yeah, that's that's a trip. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, it's a trip. Uh, Molly says. It, uh, so so yeah. So Molly says, <laughs> I don't like this story. Can't we read the Phantom Tollbooth or something? I like Molly. She has good taste in books. Phantom yes. Tollbooth is one of my favorite and, books ever. And uh, Carolina says, uh, What about us, Alex? How do we all fit into this? And that comes up a little bit later. Alex says when uh, Chase's mom says that. And we cut back to uh, her saying we're pregnant in the middle of the rite of blood. And there's yeah. a woman strapped to the door. Yeah, she's tied up with like duct tape over her mouth to this, you know, torture thing. You know, her ankles are clamped down and then her her hands are clamped up. And, you know, <sighs> Mr. Stein goes, is this really the time to be discussing this? And so they're all like break and they talk about, you know, are you going to keep it? To which Mrs. Stein says, what do you take me for? Some kind of monster? Of course Bad I am. Take. Bad yeah. take. Bad take. Um, and, you know, we cut to like everybody else um, kind of ruminating on it. And, well, says and Mrs. Wilder brings up a good point of like, you aren't planning to start a family in this world that we're going to destroy, right? Like. Yeah, that's a good die, point. right? Yeah, and uh, she says, if the Gaborum select Victor and me for paradise, I intend to give my spot to our offspring. Um, and, I mean, I guess it's romantic, maybe. Yeah. Because he, sa he says that he has no interest in living forever without her. So and Mrs. York says, that's so romantic. Yeah, and it starts this chain of events from happening. Yeah, and, you know, we get a joke about biological clock with the Yorks. Ha, ha, ha. Hugh, Hugh, You're Hugh, so Hugh. funny, Mr. Hugh, Yorks. Hugh, Hugh, Hugh. Uh, yeah. And, you know, some of them are not quite sure about giving up their shot at eternal glory. And, you know, so they kind of go back and forth. And Mr. Wilder is like, but if each of us does that, then we ensure, like, you know, a chain of events and we don't have to worry about fighting amongst each other. So they're they're also of note hatching this plan separate from the Gaborum. They aren't like clearing it with the Gaborum yeah, first. They they ha they haven't done that. Um and you know, Mrs. Hey Mrs. Dr. Hayes, maybe at this point, says that it's not fair because they don't even know if they can have a child because of their mutant genes. Someone needs to read up on how mutants work. Yeah, they might be doctors of psychology, but they're not doctors of, you know, reproductive health, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like, I think... You've got a 50-50 shot, and, like, whether or not you can have a kid is not to anything to do with whether or not you're a mutant. Well, I know, like, depending on what point at in, like, X-Men continuity this is, like, I know sometimes like mutants are less likely to have the ki a kid than others i, I mean, think this is that, this is straight up i think still that, yeah it goes be. back and forth yeah but i think the the intimation here or like the suggestion that they're making is that a non-mutant child is unacceptable yeah but then they kept molly anyway so who knows yeah i mean there's really who knows there's there's no good answer here. And you know, they continue to talk about it and yeah, also the also of note is that the 
deans do not want children at all. No, no. Yeah, so and Mr. 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 Wilder, Wilder has a has a knife, has the knife with a dagger. He yes. flashes it in front of them. Yep. <laughs> says, "Are you in or are you out?" And they said, "We got to promise that we'll give all of our children our spots." Which so, I guess is selfless in a way. Yeah. So Mrs. Dean says, I'll think about it. A baby would probably get me on the cover of People, I suppose. So she's uh, only thinking about her career prospects. Yeah. Which and is then, funny because I guess then at this point they've completely like they were like, oh, we're going to take over world and we hate Earthlings. And now they're like, we're all about TV. So I don't know what happened in the who knows? three years. But uh, I don't think they know. Mr. Wilder says, we'll tell our children what gifts await them after they turn 18, just before the end. Until then, they never need to know just how much we sacrificed on their behalf. And he flashes that dagger again. And then he's probably going to he's going to kill that woman, that yeah. poor woman. So Nico. We pan back to the kids, and Nico's immediately having a crisis of conscience uh, because she says, oh, my God, all the horrible things our parents have done, they did for us. Gert just kind of <laughs> shrugs at this because she is not surprised at all. <laughs> no. And she says something highly relevant that says, figures, the previous generation is always screwing up the world in the name of helping out the other one or the next one. Relevant. Yeah. And Carolina's... You know, she mutters to herself the cover of people. She's she's having trouble coming to terms with the fact that she is pretty much an unwanted kid, which is not a great thing to have to deal with, for sure. Mm, um, absolutely not. And Molly doesn't want to have to do her book report on this book. Yeah, and Chase is kind of like, he agrees and is like, how much more do we need to know, really? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Chase is also like, we need to show this to someone. And... Like, you know, we can put them away for life with this evidence. And Alex says, like, who, Chase? The LAPD is on, the LAPD is on our parents' payroll, remember? And, and from off-panel, we get a, yeah. And then we cut to uh, Lieutenant Flores, who says, and I think we just got ourselves a raise. And he looks really dumb. Like, I thought he was, like, <laughs> posing, but he just looks really dumb. No, he's, I mean, he is kind of doing a pose, but it's hard to do a cool pose when you have one of your legs in a full leg cast and yeah. you have a crutch. Yeah, and you're that's also, true. Like, he's holding up a pistol in his right hand, and he's holding crutch a crutch with his left hand, and then he's got the riot cops around him, like the SWAT yeah. team. He looks straight up dumb, folks. Oh my god, I just noticed! So, like, all of the helmets... Except, like, all say police on them, and then one of them just says Popo. <laughs> <laughs> I love Adrian Alfona's background stuff so much, because that's so funny. Like That's really funny. Um, that <laughs> all of them except one say that there's just one that says that. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's the cliffhanger we leave off with. Mm-hmm. And then we Which go... Brings us to issue number 14. And this one's got a cover with Gert, and she is crouched down on the ground, looking up at the, the reader, and Old Lace is curled protectively around her. And they're kind of, like, backed up against a wall, and Old Lace has got her jaws out and is snarling, ready to pounce, basically. 
Mm-hmm. So we get the sense of like the runaways being in a corner, which they yeah. definitely 100% are. Oh, yeah. And uh, we cut, you know, back, back to, to the Wilder re- residence. Back to the Wilder residence, which, you know, is uh, Jeffrey Wilder looking at his computer screen again with pictures his of his family on computer it. computer screens. There is, I have to say, there's an adorable picture here of baby Alex, like a little five-year-old Alex, with a Spider-Man costume on and his glasses outside of his costume with a bag of Halloween candy at the front door and it is the absolute cutest thing. No, it's very good. Um and you know, Mr. Wilder's having having a feelings or two or five as he, you know, looks down at this command console. And he's interrupted from off panel by someone saying Mr. Wilder and it is Mr. Stein. Uh, who asks, am I interrupting? And immediately, like, you know, Mr. Welder is kind of shaken out of his reverie and says, not at all, I was just thinking. And it's, you know, (laughs) they have this conversation. The right of thunder is apparently due, which I don't know how many rights the Gaborm have, but it seems like way too many of them. Yeah, it really does. Um... And he, you know, talks about the reason that we d- decided to supply these monsters with enough power is so that our offspring could inherit the Earth. But Victor reminds him that don't make it sound like that because we know that our motives weren't always so selfless. Yeah. And that, you know, they'd started and agreed to the whole thing because they wanted gain for themselves. And if Mrs. Stein had never become pregnant, then, you know, they wouldn't be in this situation. Because, you know, back when they were young, it was like, we'll live forever. And now that they're older, you know, maybe eternity sounds great after all. Like, maybe living those 25 years, maybe that's not enough. And, you know, he's like, our kids have abandoned us. And finally, he says, admit it. Some nights you think about letting your son perish with the rest of this wretched populace. And taking his spot in the next world for yourself. And Mr. Wilder does not like that answer. No. Because he, he says... just for the throat. Yeah, he says never and takes Victor by the throat and says, I've done terrible things in my life, but for the last 16 years, I've been confident that I was doing them for a noble reason. I'm going to find Alex and give him what is rightfully his, and I will destroy anyone who stands in my way. To which... Mr. Stein replies weakly, Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, Mr. Wilder has to clarify with a what did you say? And he takes his hands off uh, Mr. Stein's coat, uh, coat lapels. And Mr. Stein says, Thank you for saying what I wanted to hear. My son and I have had our differences, but I love Chase more than life itself, literally. My wife and I feel the exact same way that you do, but I needed to be certain that we were all on the same page. Mr. Welder asked if, if he was testing him, and, you know, you know, Victor says the obvious. Yeah, they're, they're a group of, you know, crooks and scoundrels, you know, how, how can you trust each other? But uh, that is interrupted by a beep on his smartwatch, and 
apparently they just picked up it just picked up a radio scan with a key phrase about his son's a white van like his son's parked in Bronson Canyon. And Mr. Wilder says, ha ha ha, then we have to move now before one of our overzealous agents decides to take the matters into his own hands. Cut back to Bronson Canyon with Lieutenant Flores doing that exact thing. Yeah. And they're all, he's convinced that the parents are going to love this. Yeah. He's, he's got, got a, a, and he's got a gun to them. On. Yeah. yeah he's it's... got a gun to them and a shit eating grin on his face. And Chase says, no way, you tools can't even find Saddam, but you found us? And Lieutenant Flores says, we found Saddam months ago, genius, and the military probably could have found him a lot faster if only they had an inside informant as good as ours. So now we start to talk a little bit about that whole thing that's happening. Yeah, because Nico's immediate reaction is, what are you talking about? And Lieutenant Flores says, oh, you didn't know? Excuse me. Uh, one of you kitties is working for our side, called the LAPD with a tip about where to find your little clubhouse. But that's something we can sort out downtown. We want them alive, boys, so stick to tasers and beanbag rounds. Yeah, okay. Uh, and... And basically... The kids are like, you know, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. Also, he says that the dinosaur can be killed. Yeah, that's upsetting. Yeah, because so Gert uh, immediately screams no, and always and also screams probably a terrifying raptor. Also, yell. also yeah, does a terrifying uh, raptor shriek. Um, and Alex tells Chase to lay down some suppressive fire, and Chase has no idea what that means. And Chase makes a comment, and I'm not sure how I should feel about this, but I guess it's like, he's not wrong. Yeah, he says, this is for Rodney King, y'all, which uh, uh, Rodney King was a victim of police brutality in L.A. So, <laughs> I, don't I don't know, Chase is such, Chase is such a mess it's a right seesaw. now. It's a seesaw. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to take that comment either. Yeah, I don't know. Especially in light of the way Chase is. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. And we get some really great old lace panels yeah, he sets next. Up a, he sets up like a chain link fence of fire is what Chase Which, does. Which, I mean, that works, I guess. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and we get um, some really good panels next here with old lace Nico, because... Nico has stuck her hands in old lace's, old lace's mouth. <laughs> and she tells Gert, tell your dinosaur to bite me. And Gert yeah, says, old lace what? Is looking very dismayed. <laughs> he does not, she does not want to do this at all. You know, I think about, the more I think about it, the more I think DC was right on the money when he said, like, a lot of old lace's expressions are like, she doesn't understand what humans want. And basically it's like, she's always trying to make the decision like attack or no attack and yeah. so she's like do i munch or no munch i'm so confused gert help me <laughs> is what yeah. this look is like and <laughs> <laughs> gert says no sister grim i know you're into magic but this is exactly what went wrong with siegfried and which is a reference to siegfried and roy who's okay. a white tiger pet attacked them about the same time i think like that was a very <laughs> Yeah. Topical reference. And Nico says, Old Lace, bite me or I will choke arsenic to death. And Old Lace is still like, No. <laughs> yeah. She's like, Bite or no bite. I don't. <laughs> and she kind of like half heartedly, like, 
bites down a little bit on Nico's arm, just enough to break blood. And so then the sha- the staff of one shoots out with, you know, Nico letting out the chant that she always like compulsively gives when it comes out. And old Lace is just like, uh, did I do the right thing? I'm so confused. I'm and, so uh, sorry, old Lace. And, and Gert is just like, oh, just, you know, why didn't you just say that's what you needed to do? Yeah. But- you know, none of these kids are really good at thinking in the moment. No. And we cut back to the chain link fence of fire because apparently they're breaking through, which, okay. Yeah, I mean, they can just, like, also there are holes in it. Like, they can just, you know, fire through the holes. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing to break through this fire. I think they just figured out that they can, like, if they put their riot shields forward, like, they can they'll, just, they'll just push, push through push it. into it, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's so, not really a wall. You know, she says she'll try, and she takes off into the sky and, att- like, shoots at the police officers and still says, I'm sorry, even though we all know they're corrupt cops. Yeah. Whoops. Sorry. My bad. I didn't mean to hurt you. Um. So, you know, Alex says, can you, you know, zap us out of here? And Nico says, I used the teleport spell before. I don't think I can do the same spell twice. But let's see what else I can do. So she throws her staff forward and says, rock and roll. Which is... <laughs> uh, This is not supposed to be a roast, but I'm reminded of the time when in Dungeons & Dragons, Charlie was about to use the shatter spell when they were in a library full of old rock <laughs> in, in a dungeon. And we were like, you can't use the shatter... Uh, listen, if you use the shatter spell, like, yeah, it'll work. But then also the ceiling might collapse on you. And that's... Also pre- bad? Precisely what happens here. Because there is a cave-in in this cave. This already caved-in hotel or mansion. I can't remember which exactly. And... So the, you know, the lead, like, riot cop says to fall back but lieutenant flores says we can't leave empty-handed and says he'll shoot any deserters right before a rock giant head-sized rock smacks him he's on the gotta back be of the dead head. he's gotta be dead uh i so- mean <laughs> listen no one survives yeah. that mm. He's not in a good way, that's for sure. No. So Chase says, what did you do to my hideout, teen witch? Yeah, and Nico says, I'm sorry, I just wanted a little tremor, but I can't shut it off. So that's happening. Yeah, and then we get, actually, for once, the same exact image as we had on the cover of Old Lace. But instead of looking ferocious, Old Lace is curled around Gert, looking increasingly more worried as the ceiling gets lower and lower and Krakum falls on top of them. Yep. And uh, we see that they're actually been saved. Like, it cuts to a panel of black and it's someone says, huh. And then Alex says, okay, well, that works too. And it's Carolina because she is holding up the roof above them. Well, I think, like, so what I think happened is the bit that fell on them didn't fall fall far enough to smoosh them all. No. But Carolina is trying to push up against it. Yeah. Like, she's created some sort of force field, I think. Yeah, out of 
herself? Energy. Question her mark? Energy, yeah, yeah. We're not quite sure how her alien powers work. No. And Nico says, we're, we're alive. And Garth's got something to say about that. <laughs> yeah, she's like, yeah, this is awesome. We're surrounded by a mountain. And uh, asphyxi- asphyxiation is worse than getting crushed to death. <laughs> You fall in a bottomless pit, you die of starvation. It's from Teen Girl Squad and Strong Betty Mills. But, uh, you know, Alex wants to know if Carolina can push the, the stones off of them, and that's probably a no-go. Yeah. Molly says, it's not fair. And then so she's crying and her eyes are glowing. She says, this place was so cool, but now it stinks. I had to leave my old house, and now I'm going to have to leave this one? It's not fair! And she smacks her fist back against the rock and has punched a bit of a hole into it. Yeah, and and Chase is looking kind of like he doesn't know what to say, but he tries and he says, I know how you feel, little dude. I've been coming here since I was... And then Gert kind of interrupts and says, Bruiser, do you think he can punch us a way out? Molly says, My codename's not Bruiser, it's Princess! powerful and punches through the walk again (laughs) so you know chase realizes that he can use his x-ray specs they are actually useful for once in his life and or once in the life of you know this comic yeah and he can see that there's a clearing on the other side uh and direct molly where to punch and you know that's where they're you know what that's the best that they can do right now and you know the base is just going to be the van because yeah they well all they, they can don't do even is have run. the van yeah, yeah they all they can do run. is run at this point uh so we cut back to an entire like fleet of police cars in front of this caved in cave and you know a paddy wagon and all 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 the stuff all the things and a, all the goodies yeah a smattering of police officers and mr wilder has showed up with a shotgun yeah claim his children sure yeah i I don't know why he brought a shotgun but mr stein has a device and he tells mr wilder that their kids aren't dead so that's good yeah but they burrowed free and retreated about 40 minutes ago so they get you know they're they're arriving at the scene a little bit late their timing could have been better a little bit uh but mr wilder says they couldn't have gotten far and mr stein says which is exactly why we should leave the hunt to our boys in blue the two of us can't afford to be seen in character by people not on the pride's payroll and points out that you know the time is ticking they have two hours until the right of thunder and will apparently be vaporized if they don't show which bad and uh mr wilder makes a point and he says do you expect me to leave my son in the hands of the inc- these incompetent people that nearly killed him and, you know, Victor says, well, we smoked him out, so they've got to be somewhere. Yeah, I don't I don't know why. I mean, I'm sure the police are kind of concerned, like, they've got their mind on other things. But, like, Mr. Wilder has a pump-action shotgun slung over one shoulder. Like, I don't know what the open carry laws are like in California, but that's, like, not something you bring. If not great. You, yeah, I don't like, think that's, yeah. Yeah, that's not the usual. Not um, really. So, you know, they've got a survivor and Mr. Wilder says that's impossible because he knows, you know, he has the readings from Dr. Stein's little like radar watch 
Who knows? It has like a little radar. I don't know what's going on. It's like a handheld radar majig. Who knows? <laughs> um, and they go, Very no, it's not your kids. It's Lieutenant Flores. Oh, yeah, because we want him to be alive. Yeah. Um, and he says, oh, thank God. I thought I was dead. <laughs> Um, and and basically and and mr walter says and for right you and for once you were right and shoots him point blank with a shotgun which bye bye yeah no one's gonna miss you actually bye yeah still so uh you know they were it was like point blank he's yeah he's gone yeah he's gone and mr welder says the rest of you find our progeny in the next 12 hours or receive a retirement package like your late superiors Come, Victor, let's get our godforsaken dinner meeting over with. So they've they've essentially blown their cover in front of the LAPD, but probably they are like, we might die anyway if we don't get to this place. And also, I'm sure I can pay them off like enough money will do anything, given how I've managed to get control of the rest of the police force. So, yeah. you know, I think he's he's definitely making a bet that I think he can back up at this point. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then we cut um, to Mount Lee, which is actually where the Hollywood sign is um, in Hollywood, where the kids have run off to because Gert and old Lace, and Gert and Molly are sleeping because I'm uh, not Gert. Wow. Uh, old, Lace old Lace and Molly and Mo- are sleeping because they had a bit of a rough time. Yeah. And, you know, Gert says that Molly practically dug them all the way to China. And, and you know. Alex says we covered some good ground tonight and, you know, states it's it's not enough, however. Yeah, because Gert points out to both Alex and Chase, who suggest that they should build a new base here, that even though this place may be fenced off, it's still a protected area. So there will be guards that will come off, uh, come out and check to see if there's anyone that is trespassing. Yeah, and their parents are still out there, so they really just have to keep their heads down. Yeah. Nico suggests taking on the pride ourselves, which Carolina points out that that's gone so well for them before. Yeah, but they've survived. You know, when she lists off, Nico lists off the things that they've survived, you know, yeah, but we survived. We didn't defeat them, Alex reiterates, and, you know, definitely, you know, better than we used to be, but we don't have what it takes to win the game yet, and... He's not wrong. And then Alex points out that, you know, the detectives did say one of them was secretly working with the Pride. And immediately it becomes one of those reality show things where it's like, you know, who's who's the traitor? Yeah. And he's got so the they, alliance. Yeah. Yeah. They all start turning on each other. Yeah. It's yeah. Not great. No, but it's it was enough to throw the kids for a loop. Uh, the the lieutenant saying that, and that's probably what it was supposed to do. Yeah, Carolina tries to establish some peace and is like, "Well, how do we even know that that's true? Like, why should we trust him? That could be something that he said to get us to turn on each other." So Chase and Gert both agree that Carolina is the mole, which I think is very rude of them. It is. And, and she then, says, call me whatever you want. I'd rather die than live the rest of my life like Anne Frank. And I think Nico's plan is great. Who's with us? Yeah. So, it immediately like leans in and like grabs Nico's shoulder and holds it real tight. And yeah. Nico's just like, because that's a totally like normal 
thing to do. Yeah. Just I mean, that's what you do to friends, right? and pals. That's just that's just like you know, you 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 grab your friend real close, and you said that I'm with you no matter what, and I'm not that's, a traitor, and I'm not a traitor. So we're gonna have a time here. It's just like when you go to the airport and um tell your best friend not to leave <laughs> because you can't live without them because they're just best guy friends. It's two guys being dudes. Yeah. Yes. Uh. <laughs> anyway, uh, Chase says, uh, what the heck? It uh, doesn't take much peer pressure for me to try something dumb. And so Gert says, should I just stay here, I guess, because this is my dinosaur. And then Nico says, well, if you're the traitor, then that's not a great plan. And no, but, you know, Molly can hold her own. At least Carolina thinks so. Yeah. So they're they're going to split the party, probably. Yeah, which not not great. Yeah. Meanwhile, speaking of splitting the party, we head back to the Dean residence where uh Mr. Dean crunches a walkie-talkie in half or a handful oh, self well, like I don't I I guess or it's a like walkie-talkie a handset from a from a yeah. wireless phone or something. Something. And he says, "Idiots. Wilder and Stein had them and they let our children slip away." And, she, and Leslie Dean says, use your inside voice, dear. You heard what Victor said. They were they were tipped off by whichever child is our mole. It's only a matter of time before he or she alerts us to their new whereabouts. And Dr. Mr. Hayes says, indeed, I trust we'll hear from Molly again soon enough in his terrible ninja cosplay. Because, of course, they're in the evil people outfits. Yeah. And then there starts a disagreement about who the mole is, because clearly one of their children is the mole. Yeah, because and the doctor and doctor, Mr. and Mrs. Hayes think that it's definitely Molly because mutants like to lower people's defenses by pretending to be as dumb as normal humans and then are secretly like super smart and manipulate people, which uh, I don't don't know about that one. It's a common trait. Seems like a little bit of projecting. For mutants her age. Okay. Projecting projecting yeah and then they say why you don't honestly think carolina has the mind to pull off something this audacious stop being rude and leslie dean says spare me the my honor student can beat up your honor student routine whoever the mole is i'm sure they'll get us our girls back soon right now we need to finish planning for tonight yeah and they you know uh miss They've got four Mrs. Doctor Hayes. Out. Yeah, they have four wine glasses. Mrs. Doctor Hayes says, "When you spoke with Wilder, did he sound mistrustful? Because obviously they're planning something." Yeah, and you know, Mister Dean is positive that they have not that they don't suspect anything, and says, "If the rest of the Pride had any indication we were going to murder them at the Rite of Thunder, the four of us would no longer be breathing." So whoops. Dun dun dun. And you know, so they have this kind of back and forth about whether or not the Gaborum will celebrate them for taking the initiative or you know, doom them. Cause basically, so they have the six of them in the room, and then they want them four and or the the four of them in the room. So who they're gonna propose to have eternal life is them and their two kids yes so and they're also the only non-humans and i so think that will give them a leg up yeah because the gaborm hate humans 
And then they have a toast to the final six, the parents of the year. Ugh. I don't think you'll be winning any PTA meeting awards anytime soon, y'all. No, not quite. But that is that is how we end issue 14 with Dr. and Dr. Mr. and Mrs. Hayes and the deans planning to murder the rest of the pride. Yep. That's, you know... I think that's that's assuming a lot because that's four couples that they have to defeat plus those couples' kids. Yeah, that's really... They're that's putting a really, lot of faith in themselves. Yeah, that's putting all your eggs in one basket, wouldn't you think? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. But, uh, but yeah. I guess you gotta go all in on a plan to murder the rest of your compatriots. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. So uh, what did you think? Uh, what did you think of the start of this arc, Charlie? Well, I'm glad that it gave us some backstory. I think we were wanting for it. Like yeah. we needed to see some more motivations other than just this is they're evil and this is what's happening and like there's some nebulous reason why, but we don't know what it is yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's that it's kind of like a lore dump as Love a it. flashback. But I like but... the way I like the format of it. I like the way that it was formatted. Right. And I think in the show, no spoilers or anything, but I think they get this information like more in more of a trickle. Yeah, that's why they don't. That's why they take so long to actually go anywhere. Right, right. Whereas in this, they chose to, you know, again, it's it's the differences in format. I think like a TV show, you want to, you have to assume that people are going to drop from episode to episode, so you know, slowly drip-feeding information and keeping that suspense up is important. Whereas in comics, you know, if it was just all suspense and no action, even in a teen book like this, I think, like, you were trying to, you know, in trying to split the difference between the normal comic crowd versus maybe people that aren't so used to comics, you know, they had to make some creative decisions that... yeah don't work so well for the format of the show it's different mediums yep yep but that leads us to our end of the show segment this or that which uh it's mikey's turn this time yeah so this is that is a segment where we take two comic book covers and usually responding to a prompt try to determine which of them better fits that prompt based solely on the covers and with no knowledge outside of what is going on on these Correct. covers. Correct. So I will read this uh, prompt for you uh, before you open, crack these open. Well, uh, I'm cracking them open this now. Is for, uh, this is from Papa, who supplies us with a lot of them, so we're pulling resources. Um, but he says, hey, Mikey and Charlie, quick question for the podcast. Based solely on the covers, which 90s comic has the better story based on these two? On, based on these two? <laughs> so basically, which one has the better love story, Mikey? There, there's no love story about it, Charlie. Papa just says they love this. He loves the show. Oh, we're, I made it up. Okay. I mean, maybe the first one. Which one has the better love story? <laughs> well, if I take okay, so the first one, in the context of love story, <laughs> the Punisher <laughs> and a sentient car are playing a game of gay chicken, but with guns. <laughs> 
Like, is this kid the car and the Punisher? Like, so we've got this car and the Punisher's got his guns firing and it says a game of chicken Punisher style. Is this like an AU where the Punisher is like... Knight Rider? Petrosexual. Oh, boy. Like, I mean, oh. I've been on fanfiction.net. <laughs> I know how some of these things go. You can do a lot of things with the gear shift. That's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I think, uh, and we've got like some buildings that could be like the painted ladies. Like maybe this is Punisher goes to like San Francisco and, you know, has an epiphany. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm really reaching here. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's, that's the Punisher uh, number 72. Uh, the Incredible Hulk. The Hulk has gotten a haircut is the thing that immediately stands out to me. He looks like Teddy. Like, uh, like, in it, like, slightly. Like, no, when Teddy was pretending to be the Hulk, that. slightly. He's he got, does. Like, he's got, like, a, it's not a good haircut. And also his face is drawn super weird. Like, they all have the same face and I can't unsee it. They all bit. have, like, P the same shape. It just doesn't look that way, though. Yeah. I don't know. It's not a good look. He looks more like uh, like a giant version of Martian Manhunter than he does the Hulk. <laughs> uh, this is uh, Incredible Hulk number 417 for those playing along at home. Uh, so we've got the Hulk looking... He's also got a purple turtleneck on. So he's not gone. a good look. Yeah. Uh, so we've got him and a cone head in a picture. That's the, the impossible wall. man, Mikey. No, it's a cone head. <laughs> uh, the vision is looking very disgusted or perturbed about whatever is being projected onto the wall via this camera. Uh, Johnny Storm is spitting out Coke on like coca-cola onto iron man's helmet iron man looks like he's about to cry captain america has got a hand up to his face and is looking through his fingers uh he's also got like a caprice on that he's like squirting all over the place it's probably supposed to be a beer but i say it's a caprice on uh and like uh, Ant-Man is doing, like, a leprechaun dance on Cap's titty. And then, I don't know who that's supposed to be in the center, but it looks like Richter. It looks like Richter. It isn't, though. It's Rick Jones. Well, it's Richter. Are you gonna pretend it's Richter? He wasn't around. Oh, maybe, no, he was. He was. He was. Yeah, this is, this uh, is, this is 417. Yeah, this is uh, definitely during X-Force times. Yeah. And the Silver <laughs> okay. Surfer is also, like, okay, so I know it's the Silver Surfer, but at first I thought it was Ant-Man, so I think I'm going to stick with that also. Okay. Ant-Man's at this party for, or not Ant-Man, sorry, uh, Iceman. Iceman, okay. Uh, I mean, this is really so, taking a lean. Uh, <laughs> please do not, and it says, please do not tell anyone this shocking secret of the bachelor party. So, okay, so I know what's happening here. All right, please enlighten me. Uh, so Quicksilver and his boyfriend, Bobby Drake, are hanging out with <sighs> Iron Man and his boyfriend, Cap, who might be in a threesome with Scott Lang? 
question mark? Because I don't want to think about Hank Pym at all. He fuck That's him. Scott. That's Scott. It's gotta uh, be. Might be in a threesome with them. Bobby and his not his not quite f- like more than friends, less than lovers friend. Uh, or sorry, Johnny Storm and his more than friends, less than lovers friend Richter, Julia Richter, are also came to this party, and then the vision is just the vision, and then Hulk's just along for the ride because he doesn't really know what's going on, and they had a movie party with a VHS tape, but I think what happened... I'm going to ignore the part about a bachelor party because I think I have a better idea. Uh, Tony brought a VHS tape to this party and didn't realize that he had recorded porn of himself on top of this VHS tape or him maybe in a compromising position. Let's not say like... Let's leave it more general than that. And totally is it, is forgot. It him and, is it him and Cap on I the on the recording? So. I think so. Okay, okay, okay. Um, okay. I think, and I think maybe, uh, you know, it was like he forgot to write down on the little labels that you get that they had. Yeah, put it's this like on one of those tape. things where um, it's like one of those things like, well, come on, you know, let's just try it once. It's it says what it said on the tape was like Jean Claude Van Damme's greatest hits or something. Uh, and Tony forgot that this is the tape that he did, uh, some illicit, oh, not illicit, but some sexual. No, like I said, it's like one of those things where it's like, come on, you know, let's just do it once. Like, yeah. if you don't like it, we don't have to ever do it again, but, you know, I just want to see what it's all about. That's what, what that's what, that's what. Yeah. Happened. Yeah. And so that's why Tony's looking like he's going to cry. Um, and Cap might have his good reputation sullied. I don't know why the cone head is there. Maybe the vision brought like a hologram that he had made of this cone head AI. Like he was real proud of it, and I'm he really brought it to. Like, this is I'm... like <laughs> this is show and tell. And he was like, "Hey, you brought like you're bringing a tape. I'm gonna bring this cool thing that I cooked up in the lab." It's a conehead and definitely not the impossible man. Clearly. <laughs> it's a conehead. Listen, Vision is trying to learn what human behavior is like through Saturday Night Live. And he really, really likes who was it? Uh Will Farrell and Tina Fey? Was that who was I can't remember or no, um no, that was it would have been Will Farrell. No, think. are you talking about the original Coneheads? Yeah. It was Dan Aykroyd. Okay, Dan Aykroyd. That's a long was, time ago, was Mikey. The woman? No, I know. I couldn't remember I if it was I a do baby. Not rem- I do not well, remember. Okay, so, so Adam Sandler was on that era of the SNL, so I couldn't remember if Will Ferrell was too, was the thing. No. I was like, no, it can't be Tina Fey, because that, like, she was much later. Um, but regardless. Anyway, he, he loves the Coneheads. It's all the rage. They had a Conehead wow. sitcom at one point. That was how popular that skit was. So, I mean, I understand this, but it's definitely not the impossible man or anything. Um, no, I don't know who God. that is. Actually, I'm going to admit. So the it's the cone head for me. Um, okay. Well, let me talk about that for a second. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, the uh, impossible man is basically like, you know, that little, that little asshole from uh, like Superman or Batman. Mr. Miyatsu's Pitalik. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. It's like the Marvel Universe version of that. Okay. Okay. 
You got it? I love how you know that one, but you don't know the Impossible Man. Okay. Listen, All right. that was played by uh, the same guy that did the briefcase like money show. Howie Mandel was Mr. Okay. Mietzis Pitalik in Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Oh, you really love that show. That's why I do. I, uh, I love it okay. so much. Okay. But, well, there but you go. But somehow I knew about Mr. Mietzis Pitalik before I watched that episode. So I must have okay. seen it in... It must have been like Superman Sup- or Batman, the yeah, animated series. Yeah, it would have been in Superman because Batman didn't bring in the weird rogues gallery like that. Superman was all about... It was, was Superman, about, the animated like, series. The, it ran yeah, at the same Superman, time. Superman, the animated series had Darkseid. It had... Uh, Mr. It had Dr. Fate. It had like all these weird, like Cthulhu esque things and like all these weird space aliens. I, I'm not a fan of like the Superman, like the actual Superman, like Ouvoir, but Superman the animated series was great for like weird TV because I didn't have cable. I couldn't watch Courage the Cowardly Dog or stuff like that. So I got like my weird Cthulhu esque stuff from. <laughs> Uh, superman the animated series um also what like what a um so so really quick in the episode of lewis and clark the new adventures of superman that mr mietzis pitalik played by howie mandel is in uh they get stuck in christmas and every time they complete the loop of christmas they get more and more depressed and angry at each other because mr mietzis pitalik is siphoning their good emotions out of the daily or the daily planet all right well wow yeah so they have to loop like the day before christmas or something like over and over and over again it's awful bad um also like i would say that like putting pietro and bobby drake together was is a stretch but like i know for a fact that pietro is attracted to those like like to like people that are like goobers with weird senses of humor because yeah. i because i ship uh pietro and jamie matrix hard uh so i mean l- uh, let me be clear this is not the world's best pairing in ter- like this definitely doesn't work out long term right oh, but it no. was like they definitely had it was like a maybe like one of those everybody's like that's not gonna work out and you know pietro is like what we're in love like don't give me like leave me alone leave us alone and bobby's like yeah this is my boyfriend and they're like both super defensive about it <laughs> because like everyone's like this is never gonna last and like killian yeah. kitty and iliana just look at them and they're like this is no this isn't gonna last and bobby's like yes it will i'll prove you wrong and then like two months later he's like yeah so we broke up and kitty and iliana just laugh um yeah no uh because i definitely ship uh like x government x factor era uh quicksilver and uh jamie madrox so good (laughs) it's very good um i mean johnny johnny storm rick is in a weird part of his life here uh this is like you know just drug along here i love how we're completely ignoring that it is actually rick jones but that's fine uh he i I decided listen this isn't based solely on the cover and not on anything else it does look like rick i'm not like rick so it's like this is this is like you know a weird time where like maybe like even before he got to know shatterstar or maybe shatterstar is gone and he's you know having a weird time in his life 
Maybe he thinks I mean, Star is dead because Star oh my was God. Like, gone for a long ass time and he thought Star was dead before he came back. So, <laughs> Mikey, Mikey, making up canon doesn't exist. I mean, no, <laughs> but Star was literally like he came back in X, in X Factor Investigations and Rick had thought he was dead. That is well, not No, he didn't think he was dead. He well, was just yeah, gone. But, yeah, he was gone. Which, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a thing, but yeah. So, think, yeah, Rick is having a he's he's having a weird time in his life, and like I, they definitely haven't done anything. But Rick is just grappling with a lot of things right I now. I mean, it's very to- it's very true that like Rick like pr- probably came out of the closet during X Force at some point and then went promptly back inside. Like, so yeah, it was a time. Yeah, it's a it's um, a weird time in his life. All right. And well, I, I my headcanon is always. Storm. My my headcanon is always that uh, Johnny Storm is by, but independent of the whole Dakin thing because that's just a disaster. Ooh boy, yeah, lots of lots of bad shit going on there. That's a like that whole thing is like a bad take. But pretty much <laughs> anything where Dakin weaponizes his bisexuality and pheromone powers is a bad take. So. Like, I'm not calling out the writers. It's just like, don't... Uh... Say it again for the people in the back of my <laughs> <laughs> Uh You know, just, like, it's not just one person that's done that, unfortunately. So, please stop. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, which one do you think is better? Uh, I know which one I would definitely want to read, and that's... Oh, uh, it's this, this one, clearly. Yeah, this whole soap opera of events that's conspiring. Yes. I- agreed. Agreed. After we've... Uh, thoroughly dissected it. Thank you. Good job, Mikey. You're welcome. Thank maybe you it is actually a bachelor party too. Like maybe they did this. Uh... But no, that wouldn't. That wouldn't be because this is like this is. If anything, this it's like the 90s sometime. Well, no, no, no. I'm gonna say like if anything related to like a wedding going on, this would definitely be like Cap and Tony. They wouldn't record their like first night married though that'd be weird even for tony stark <laughs> yeah i think you're right um oh my god but <laughs> head cannons chipping aside thanks everybody <laughs> if you're still here um what you sorry. should be what you should be because like i don't know what else you're coming here for so yeah i'm still not a. Uh... The the Punisher the Punisher comic is like pretty straightforward even without adding the fact that it may or may not be a love story into it so that one yeah. was like I mean I misread but then it gave us that wonderful uh, Avengers I mean Hulk oh, I story I knew so. that was gonna happen even before you misread it I was like I'm looking at this and this is like this is some shit right here like everybody here is <laughs> like yeah yeah all right well <sighs> that said. It brings us to the end of our episode. So I would personally like to thank each and every one of you for listening, although I can't do that because there are many of you. Um, but I want to thank you here. Um, do it and... in like the Mr. Rogers way. Like, you're all our friends, and each one of you is you're special, right. even though we don't know all your names. It's such a good feeling, feeling. to know no. you're alive. It's such a happy feeling. feeling. It is. It is, and everybody should learn from Mr. Rogers, except for oh. maybe not watch the section of the show where it's the land of make-believe, because it's just that shit. See, like, everyone always says fucking... the land of make-believe is scary, but 
I guess like if you not if you're not into puppets, it might be. But I never had a problem with it. <laughs> oh no, man, something about it. Um, but anyway, if you like our show, please um, rate and review us on whatever uh, podcast app you listen to us on. If you want to do that on iTunes or Stitcher or anything that Google Play lets you do, please do. Um, it helps other people find us, and it makes things a little bit more accessible and uh, gets us more exposure so thank you uh we don't pay to advertise and that's just the way it is uh if we are you want also ta- we are also yes. on tune in which means you may or may not be able to play us on your amazon echo device mm-hmm. by asking alexa to do something for you yeah but i i'm honestly i'm not quite sure how that works i've tried to yeah i tried you can it's, get to us through the app, but like the Amazon Alexa app, but other than, you know, I did my best. I did my yeah, best to make us. We're, slow, we're slowly expanding, um, yeah. like one of those tiny little capsules you put in water and the sponge comes out, the shape like an animal. But, or uh, like the uh, fucking sea men that used to be advertised in comics. <laughs> the sea monkeys? Sea monkeys, yeah, that's it. Yeah, also that. Um, if but if you don't want to do that for whatever reason, um, we would appreciate if you let us know how much you like what's going on here or any concerns you have, and you can share them at Young Ones Cast on Twitter. Uh, that's where you can find us, and we will engage with you if you are not weird and bad. Um, you can be weird, just don't be bad. Um, or you can email us at youngonescast@gmail.com if you have any questions uh, you'd like us to talk about. Other than that, you can find me and my whole thing over on at Genetic Ghost on Twitter. And it's happening over there. I mean, I guess. As much and as Charlie will be an internet superstar and I will just look fondly on from the background. No. That's, All of your tweets know. are lighting up. I mean... I don't know. I'm just talking about dumb shit, like, most of the time. Like, sometimes I make good points, but, like, also sometimes I just tweet because I want to tweet about something. And that's what happens. Uh, I just know people in in relatively high places for some reason. But other than that, where can people find you, Mikey? You can find me on Twitter at quantum dot dot, where I post about many things, uh, including recently talking about Twin Peaks The Return because I'm still slowly working my way through that. That is the whole time. Uh, I also have been posting game design, although less frequently with that only because I need to figure out when and how to playtest my dang game. Uh, I have a lot of people that want to play it with me, but our schedules very rarely align. So trying to get that worked out i did have a really nice weekend because i could finally just sit and chill so i played sea of thieves for several hours and actually fought like the kraken we had a kraken encounter so i got a little bit of video footage of that that i'm gonna edit and try to put up soon you can also find everything i do at quantum dot dot space recently bought that domain name which i'm very proud of and i also have patreon for my game design stuff at patreon.com slash quantum dot if you would like to take a look there all my stuff becomes public after a certain point in time so if you do decide to give me dollars there it's it's appreciated but please do not feel compelled to do so 
but that's me. Yeah. So, uh, next week, we will be talking about more runaways. We're chugging along here. So, uh, we got a couple more issues. Uh, by more than a couple, I mean, like, a few. There's more than two. Um, and then we're going to decide what we want to go forward here. Because there's a lot of material we could cover. Yeah, and we're just going like to figure more, out the best way to do that. Two more issues, though. Hmm? Or two more episodes of the podcast. Yeah, that'll be de- dedicated specifically to the Runaways. Um, we'll figure out what we're going to do from there. There are some things I want to do and um, people I want to talk to. So we'll see how that works out. But other than that, uh, yeah, keep your keep your eyeballs peeped for y- yeah, whatever good eyeballs, not mechanical eyeballs. Um, keep them <laughs> on this place. Yes, good. Oh, yes. oh, 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 oh. Yes. By the time this goes up, we will be uh, two days out from a very cool thing Mikey and I did uh, oh, last yeah. uh, last Sunday. We can finally so, announce that. Yeah. Um. We were going to so, announce it earlier, but then there were scheduling issues, so we held off on it. <laughs> so, if you don't know, um, a, a friend of mine and of Mikey's um, on Twitter, um, who also has a podcast, two podcasts, um, one called Multiversal Q, which is all about the Marvel multiverse and all about multiverses in general, I believe. Um, his name is Luke. Um, he hosts that show, but also does a um, tabletop, an actual play tabletop uh, role-playing a podcast called Exiled, and Mikey and I were uh, Richter and Shatterstar. Yeah, Richter and Shatterstar, um. but not the Richter and Shatterstar. You know, because uh, if you're familiar with Marvel comics, you may have heard of the Exiles. Uh, if you're not familiar with Marvel comics, so Exiles tends to be like a team that's made up of kind of a motley crew of multiversal runaways or people that have fallen out of their own reality or people that are looking to save their own reality. So it's always kind of like a group of motley misfits from various places in the Marvel multiverse. So in this, we play Richter and Shatterstar, who are from alternate universes, each from different alternate universes, who have come together with Dazzler the radio DJ and Arcade the murder... murder the murder Walt Disney. Yeah, the murder Walt Disney. Basically. And it's very good. Luke did some amazing original music for that. So you'll definitely want to check that out. When does that drop, Charlie? Is it the that 31st? Is, that is the 31st of March. So that will be Saturday. So uh, probably at least a day and a half maybe out from the episode going up. Yeah. However, um, if you do um, give money, I'm not sure to what extent. Or what level? Any, any pledge. Yeah, if you um, check out Luke's Patreon um, for Exiled, you can get a hold of the episode um, now. So yep. if Definitely. that's what you want to do, go give maybe a dollar or two. That, yeah. If that can something you can do. Um, but regardless, definitely make sure to check that out. It's uh, totally absent of any continuity. So... Oh, and it was, it was fun. (laughs) It was so much fun. Like, please, please, please listen to that because it was so good. And definitely while you're at it, probably give the rest of Exiled a look also because it's more in that same vein and he has an ongoing campaign and I think he's doing like a bunch of one shots while that is taking a break. And it was a blast. Luke's great GM, 
Uh, the system is super easy to understand and it's nice because it's very like rules light. So there's barely there's any more time for so there's yeah. more time for the crunchy stuff we all love. So yeah, well, the crunchy character stuff, not so much the crunchy dice stuff. Oh yeah, crunchy dice are fun sometimes. Crunchy yeah. character stuff is fun all the time. I want to make that clear because having a lot of mechanics is also called crunchy sometimes. Yeah, sometimes people love dice. Uh, other people don't. Uh, so, yeah, I got to know. roll real dice for once. I was so excited. Yeah, we all roll. We all did. That was a. That was also very cool. Yeah. No, we all managed to find a set of real dice and roll them, and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so for into hearing uh, rolling. <laughs> <laughs> on audio there might have been an original song sung by the role players as well uh in session that was completely extemporaneous and really great but can't confirm or deny it until you listen to the podcast much as schrodinger's box may or may not contain an excellent podcast in it um or i got that backwards but anyway you get what i was going for whether or not shatterstar's inside the box or not this remains to be seen. <laughs> but whether Shatterstar is inside the gene vat or not also remains to be seen. Um, fun anyway. That has been our show. Yeah, that's it. That's been our show. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. All right, everybody. Have a good day. You're a star, Bye. just like Shatterstar. Fuck off. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. put this fanfiction.net tab away did you pull that up yes oh my god good